You're listening to the GGC Life Podcast, weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. On a day like this, I thought, you know, what can I share on if we're going to speak? What should, I, what should I encourage us? And I think the best thing we can encourage us is the fact that why do we dedicate our lives to God? I did not grow up as a Christian. If you asked me at the age of 19, are you a Christian? I would have said yes. But I wasn't living a Christian life. So I probably went to church, the, the times you go to church, Christmas and Easter, a wedding and a funeral. But I wasn't a Christian. I wasn't a follower of Jesus. I never read the Bible. Uh, actually, I was in the nightclubs, breakdancing, drinking, doing that stuff. Because I didn't know, I didn't have a relationship with God. I knew about God. I knew about Jesus. But I didn't know Jesus. You can know about a particular person. You can know about Prince Charles, for example, but you don't know him. You can read books about someone, but you might not know them unless you, introduce, unless you get introduced and actually get to know them as a person. And that's the difference between knowing about Jesus and actually meeting Jesus and actually knowing him as, a, as your Lord and as your God. So when I think about this, I mean, I, I gave my life to Christ at the age of 19. God changed my heart. I gave up the old world, the whole life that I was living because I found someone way better than what the world could offer. No. And it's real, it's a, and it's a relationship. It's not religion. I know most people think, oh, I'm going to a church, and uh, they're all religious there. Well, reality is I'm not religious. Depends how you define religious and religion. To me, I think there's a lot of man-made religions, but there's only one God that wants to have a relationship with you. No. So we've polluted with our own teachings and made it religion what I would call man-made religion with our rules of our regulations. And there's, there's actually thousands of uh, religions. But we're not talking about religion. We're talking about a relationship with God. Because actually the religions of the world back in, when Jesus walked this earth, it was religion that crucified him. Religion couldn't handle Jesus because he was personified love. He was love. He was God in, in the flesh. So when I think about why we should dedicate our lives to God, the first thing that comes to mind is that because God is a Beautiful, loving Father. Now this, this is my thing. What do you, what do you mean? Well, why, should, why should we give our, God, our life to God? Why should we dedicate our lives to God? Well, because God is revealed as a Father. Jesus came to this earth and He called God His Father. That's the reason why He was persecuted and attacked and ridiculed because the Jews knew God as God. They wouldn't even say His name in public. In their Hebrew language, Yahweh. I don't know how to say it properly as a Hebrew, but they wouldn't say it. They didn't see God as Father. They saw Him as God, you know. And we these days in the world, we see God as a big old man with a big, long, white beard, angry God. Always wants to punish you. Do something wrong, I'll punish you. Big stick. And we've we got this view of God wanting to punish us, take our joy away if you become a Christian, all this sort of stuff. We do. We have a wrong picture of God. Why? Because religion painted this wrong picture of God. But Jesus, when He said Father, they, they, they wanted to kill Him for calling God His Father. But he was a son and really knew God as a father. When I think about a father, see, the reason why there's fathers here is because God's a father. And we've got our love for our children. I remember the first time I held Leon, because he's my firstborn. When I first held Leon in my arms, I'll never forget this moment. All I can think of is, I can't live for myself anymore. It's this deep revelation, I've got to live for you. And that's true of all my children. Because when you've got children, you go, I can't live for me. Now I've got to lay down my life to live for you. It's this deep love that you have for your children. And if you're a father, 
And if, I mean, this is probably the best way to define and reveal what a father's like. If your child had a terminal disease, was suffering, and it's just full of pain every day, and is dying of this terminal disease, as a dad, if you could take the pain, if you could take the sickness, you would definitely take it. What father wouldn't? You'd have to be a real evil, cruel father to say, no, I don't want to rather my child have it. Seriously, if I could take it, and I could honestly take it, I would take the disease or the pain and all the suffering, no matter how bad it is, so that my child wouldn't. That's the love of a father. You know what you think? Well, is that how God is like? That's exactly how God is like. Because he became a man. Jesus is the son of God, but he was fully God, emptied himself of becoming. He became a man and he actually did do that. He took on our sin, our sickness, our disease on the cross. And he says, give it to me. Give me the punishment of what they deserve. I will take it on for myself because I love you. That's the message of the cross. Why, what, what do we, why do we glorify God? Why do we love God? Why do we say, God, we love you? Because he first loved us and he demonstrated it through the cross. He actually literally symbolically speaking, took our sin and sickness as a father would to his own, if his, if his own child had sickness. I know that beyond a shadow of doubt. Now, now I know we, we love with, the, with, with our understanding as fathers, but God's love is so pure. Like my dad grew up in the war. He was eight years old when World War II was happening. So that was scarce and very, didn't have enough food. And you know, you know, the, the stories that you heard when you're growing up in that era as children, you remember those kids. If you knew how it was when I was a kid, you know, in the campagna. In, and, and we used to live in the farm and the food that we ate and the bread we had. To, like we suffered. You guys got everything. They worked. They, my dad worked two or three jobs and slept two or three hours most of his work life, especially when we were growing up, just so to give us an education, food, house. Why? Because that's their love language. They didn't have that. So they're doing the absolute best. Now, this is what, this is what God the Father, Jesus said this. If you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children. If your son asked for bread, you wouldn't give him a stone. If your son asked for eggs, you wouldn't give him a scorpion, which is a poisonous thing. If he asked for uh, food, you wouldn't give him a snake. You wouldn't. You would give him what he wants. And Jesus is saying, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give you good gifts? In other words, he's trying to say, we know how to give good gifts. And I'm still fallen. I'm still evil, selfish by nature. Without Christ, that's what we are. And he, and he says, you know how to love your children? I love you better than the way you love your children. Imagine that. And if you're a father, you know how much you love your child or your children. If you're a mother, you know how much you love your children. How much more does God love you? See, God's not religious. He just, he's, a, he's, a, he's a person and he wants to have a relationship with you. I've said this for many, many years and I, I really believe it. I don't just say it because I, I think it sounds good. I do really believe it. I believe with all my heart, if you're the only person left on this planet, there's no one else to have died for, just you. So everyone, there's no one else to die for. I believe Jesus would come, be born, live 33 years without sin. Be a perfect, he's perfect. He came from a virgin birth. He has no sin. Live a perfect life. And then he would have died on the cross just so you have a chance to be forgiven, to put your faith in Christ. In other words, there's no, because we see ourselves with a number. We think, oh, but Leo, there's seven, I think there's close to 8,000 million people on the planet right now. I feel like I'm just one little number. What sort of, I feel insignificant. I'm just one. And there's been millions for 2,000 years of people that lived on the planet. And I just feel like one, like he died for everyone. But I'm telling you, God's love so pure, he would have done it just for you. Do you really believe he would have done it just for you? I don't believe God's on the throne going, 
Well, if a million people turned, you know, repented and gave their lives to us, I would die on the cross. But if 100,000 people, then I wouldn't do it. What's that saying? That's a respect of person. That's saying a million, a million people is worth it, 100,000 it's not. Therefore, one it's not. I'm telling you, God would have done it for the one. And that one is you. He literally would have died that cruel death on the cross and go to hell in our place so that we could be forgiven. He's, not, he's done it. He's already done it. That's the good news. The, the reason why we call the gospel good news is because it is good news. That God's a beautiful heavenly Father who loves us with an everlasting love. Why wouldn't we want to dedicate our life to God? When you see God as He really is, like, why wouldn't you? He wants the best for you. N the number two is because um, he's, he's, he's our Father and He loves us. Two was because God is love. And I sort of talked about that. You know, I was having a conversation with God and I was reading a book and saying, write something to God. Write as if you were writing a letter to God. And so I started doing this, writing God and says this, write to God, say, I love you because. So I said, I love you because of this God. I love you because you died on the cross. I love you because you committed to me. I love you because of the things you've done for me. I love you for who you are. Just writing what's coming to my mind. I was writing my, my relationship, my personal relationship. I'm being real with God. I'm writing. And then the, the, the exercise was stop and then listen to God. And hear his voice say something to you. So now I'm listening. And I, you know what I heard God say? He goes, he goes, Leo, and this still stuck with me. This is like a few months ago. He goes, Leo, if you're the only person on the planet, there's no one else to love. Actually, no one else in all of existence. No one ever existed except for you. He goes, I would not love you any more than I already do now if you're the only person to love. Again, in my human brain, Somehow, I think God's got less love because he has to love billions of people. He's, as if God is like a man, he has to give a little piece of that person, a little piece of that person, a little piece of that person. I've only got a little bit left, a little bit of time, a little bit of effort. I can only give you a little bit. No, God loves you. He's not going to love you any more than he already does if you're the only person to love. Think about that. Now, what comes to mind is put that, put that in your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> think about it. Think about God loves me and he, can't, he won't love me any more than he already does. If there was no one else to love, he would love me. That still blows my mind. It makes me cry. It makes me weep. Maybe God, you love me more? If there's no one else left, you still wouldn't love me anymore. There's nothing I can do to make him love me anymore. I don't have to try to make him love me anymore because he loves me with a pure, everlasting love. And number three... Is God is good. Man, if you only understood God's good, He's so good. He's been so good to me. I think if what my life would have been without Christ, I, I, I'm telling you, it would have been a, a whole road full of ruin, devastation, heartache. I know, because I know me. I've been walking with God for 31 years. So I know me. I know what it would have been like if I didn't have Christ in my life. So I'm so grateful that He's a good God. It's an amazing, He's a good God. Bible Bible says, a lot about God's goodness. There's a, there's a scripture in Jeremiah 25, verse 11. For I know the thoughts that I have for you, the plans that I have for you, not to harm you or not to give you any evil, but thoughts of good and thoughts of peace, not of evil, but to give you a hope and a future. God thinks about your life. God thinks about you. There's a Psalms 139. If you don't believe it, believe me, read the Bible. Psalms 139, it says, All the days that have been ordained for you to live out were written in God's book before any of those days came to be. 
That blows my mind out. My brain goes non-compute, non-compute. You're telling me that all the days that I'm supposed to live out were written in God's book in heaven. There's a book about your life and he's written about every single day all the things he wants you to do. There is purpose for your life. God has a specific purpose for your life. I, I was having coffee and I wasn't trying to eavesdrop at a cafe place, but two guys, a guy and a girl, just sat right in front of me and I'm, I'm studying the Bible and reading the book, you know, having my coffee. And now we're just talking, had a conversation, they started saying, oh, you know, sometimes you just think, why are we here for? What's the purpose of existence? And she goes, yeah, sometimes I do think like that, but I, I, try, to stop not, I try to stop myself to, to not really think about that. Like, why are we really here? Every time I go there, I just think, I better not. And I, I, that's what we do, don't we? We cloud our mind. We don't really ask ourselves the question, why are we really here? Have you ever thought about that? What's the purpose of existence? What's the purpose of life? Why am I here? Why do I even exist? Why do we even exist? I can tell you all those answers because the Bible says why we do. We were created for Him. We exist because He's love and He wanted children to love. If you, don't, if you haven't found your purpose in, that, in your relationship with God, then you're still looking. You still, uh, 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 what's the purpose? What's the purpose of life? What's the purpose of existence? Why is suicide one of the highest rate of, of people dying in our nation? And not just epidemic in Australia, but around the world. Because we don't have a consciousness of eternity. We don't think that if I die, I go to heaven or hell. We don't think that there's a real God out there who loves me. Jesus said we will stand before God and give an account of every word we say. So God is absolute love, but he's also absolute just. Which means he's full of love and he loves you so dearly. He's like full of mercy, right? He's merciful, loving. He wants to forgive you just because he's love. But he's also righteous and he's a just God. He's a a God of justice. He's a God of love. He's a God of justice. Which one would he uphold? And imagine if I can just try to give you an example to help us get our heads around it. Imagine you were on a highway and you were flying in in your car. Hope you weren't doing this, but imagine... You're doing like 180 to 200 Ks. You shouldn't be doing that, young people. Never. I'm serious. But imagine if you got busted, the radar, the police were there, got you on radar, pulled you over, impounded your car, took your car, and took you to the courthouse in the county. And as you go to the courthouse, happens to be the very county you grew up in, the very country town you grew up in, your judge, the judge is your father. So you get a bit excited. Oh, God, it's my dad. My dad loves me. He'll, he'll be okay. You know, he'll, he'll let me off. He's my dad. He loves me. But then as you get into the courthouse and remember how your dad is like, he's a, he's a judge, but he's a just judge. He, he never punishes the innocent and never, he never lets go of those that are guilty. So he, he's, he's a just judge. And he starts to think twice. And hang on a sec. Am I going to get off? Or is he going to be loving towards me? Or is he going to be just towards me? Can, just because he's the son, can he just say, okay, I'll let you off. And he can lose his job as a judge. He has to be righteous. Now, in the natural, he can lose his job. But as God, God can never break his word. He can never be unjust. He can never be unrighteous as God. So as the judge, he has to give. He asks the son. Imagine he asks you, so are you guilty? And the son, if he's smart enough, he's on the radar and he's got pictures and photos. Yes, I'm guilty. I plead guilty. So the judge makes the, stamps the hammer down and says, $1,000 flying or one week in prison. He has to give a judgment. He can't just go, I forgive you because you're my son. $1,000 fine or one week in prison. He slams it. So the son's got no money. So they start to take him to take him to prison. He can't pay for his own fine. But the, the father says, wait a minute. One moment. Gets off the judgment seat. Grabs his jacket. Gets his checkbook. Writes a check for $1,000. 
and hands it to his son. Now, what's the son going to do? He's got, he's got a choice. He can receive it, or for whatever crazy reason, he could reject it. If he rejects it, he has to pay the penalty. But if he receives it, he pays for it. The judge remains loving and righteous, doesn't he? It's exactly what God did in Jesus. He is fully loved, fully merciful, loves you beyond words, wants to forgive everyone. But he has to remain righteous and just. So he gets off the throne of heaven, becomes a man, being Jesus, and he's now the son of God. And as a son who came from a virgin birth, he didn't have polluted blood. He did not have sin in his body, sin in his blood. He had pure blood. It's another story. But he, on purpose, lived a perfect life, raised the dead, healed the sick. The Bible doesn't just say that Jesus was the son of God and did miracles. There's historians that say there was this Jesus that healed the sick, raised the dead, and people followed him. It's in the history books, not just the Bible. We've got more evidence about Jesus than any other great leader that ever existed outside of just the Bible. And so Jesus comes and dies on the cross as if he was the sinner. But he never sinned. But he dies as if he's a sinner. But he never sinned. So because he never sinned, he could take the judgment of humanity. God did this on purpose. It was his plan. It was his, it was his thought. It was his idea. He sends Jesus as the Son of God to take our place so that we could be forgiven for free. The check has been written. He goes, would you take it or do you reject it? Our choice. If we reject Jesus as the one and only Savior, I believe we stand before God on our own. And you wouldn't want to do that. I, would, I couldn't. No one could. The Bible says very clearly that no one can stand before God in their own righteousness. It's just clear. Everyone has sinned and no one can stand before God and say, oh, well, God, I've done this, I've done this. You, know, you can't earn this salvation. The reason why the gospel is good news, it answers the question for us to say, can I earn it? Can I deserve it? Can I earn salvation? Can I earn forgiveness? If you're trying to earn it, trying to, if you think you have to deserve it by being good enough, you'll fall way short. The only way to earn it or deserve it is to be 100% perfect all the time, all the days of your life, and no one has ever, ever done that. So you might as well try, stop trying to that. Don't try to be good enough in your own works. Receive the merciful gift of salvation. It's a free gift. And when he gives it to you, I paid the price. Just take it. The act of taking it, I can't explain it any other way. I've, I've experienced it at the age of 19. The act of taking it and believing it changed my heart from the inside out. That's what the born again experience is about. It changed me from the heart. I was dead in my spirit, but God raised me by his love. God, you forgave me. You love me enough to die on the cross for me. I'm that valuable. You did it for me. When you believe it, take it on board. It changes you. And you think, I can't live for Jesus. I couldn't live for Jesus either. I'm serious. I used to look at the Christians when I was 19 and break dancing out in the nightclub. I could never live that Christian life. No way in the world. They're two goody shoes, read their Bible, go to church. Don't do drugs, don't do alcohol, don't do nothing. Man, don't swear even. I could never do that. I'm serious. That's how I saw it. I could never do that until God changed my heart. Until I surrendered the way I was. Not I changed my own life and my own strength. When I gave my life, surrendered to where I was, somehow my dead spirit that is spiritually dead gets resurrected and alive to God. And then the Holy Spirit lives in me and he gives me the power to live for him. No one can live for Christ in their own strength. It was never designed for you and I to live for Christ in our own strength. We actually needed Him. And that's why it's a relationship, not religion. All the religions of the world, all of them, sorry to say, 
but every one of them, one way or another, tell you what you have to do to get to heaven. So the onus is on you, your good works, your things. You've you got to do this, don't do that, don't touch that, don't taste that, don't say that. Go to church, go to pray this. Do this. It tells you what you have to do. That's religion. But Christianity, Jesus says, you can't do anything to get to me. I'll do it all for you. See, Christianity is completely different. It's a relationship. I've done it. You don't have to strive. You just receive by faith. It's a big difference. You know, Jesus is either Lord. I think C.L. Lewis said this. Lord, liar, or lunatic. You cannot have him in two categories. You've got to choose. Is he Lord? Is he really God? You know, Jesus said that he was God. It's a big claim, isn't it? Now, if, it, 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 you can only say it's either true or false. If it's false, there's only two possible answers. Is a liar or is it the Lord? Is a liar or is a lunatic? A liar means he knew he wasn't God, but he was telling everybody he was God. That's a liar, isn't it? So he pulled off the biggest scam known to mankind because he convinced millions of people that he was God when he wasn't God and thousands, even thousands of people died for him. If he was a fake, he was the greatest scam artist of all time. If he was a liar, that means he knew he wasn't God, but he's lying about it. That we have to, you'd have to conclude, I think he's a liar. Yet many, many countries built their, li- their whole country's foundation on the teachings of a liar. Many countries did. A lot of Christian faith in many foundations of many good Western countries. Heaps. The foundation. Not what it is now, but the foundation on Jesus, if he was a liar. Okay, let's say the other, other op- op- if he wasn't really who he said he was, talking about his identity, if he wasn't really who he said he was, he, 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 he said he was God, but he really believed he was God, but he's not God. If he's not God, but he said he was God, but he believed he was God, what would that make him? Make him a lunatic. He believed he was God, but he actually wasn't God, would make him a lunatic. If your flatmate says to you, I'm much smarter than you, it's fine, he's probably just arrogant. <laughs> but if your flatmate says, I'm the smartest person in my school or in my university, you'd go, hmm. But if that, your flatmate said, I'm the smartest person that ever lived in the whole world, ever. Now you think, he's getting removed by reality, he's getting delusional. You'd say, she's got to be a lunatic. She thinks she's the smartest person, the smartest brain that ever lived. We're talking about someone that says he's God. But if he really wasn't God, but he believed he was God, it makes him a lunatic. And again, you've got to believe, is, was he a lunatic? Where we can lay the foundation of so many Christian countries on the teachings of a lunatic? I mean, his teachings were so amazing, so powerful. What he did, could a lunatic do that? You've got to put him somewhere. Some people try to say he's, he's just a good moral teacher, just a teacher, just a good prophet. He's a religious man, but he's a good moral. You can't put him as a good moral teacher because can a liar and a lunatic teach the way he taught, wow. live the way he lived? So if he's a liar and yet he, he taught so morally perfect wow. in his teachings, you've got to put him somewhere. Either he's a, the Lord, he's, he is who he said he is, or he's a liar, he's a lunatic. I conclude clearly. I mean, I've got a brain. I can think. <laughs> I would not say he's a liar or a, law, or a lunatic, but I can clearly see that he's the Lord. He said he was raised from the dead, and he did raise from the dead. 500 people witnessed him raising from the dead. It's, when you read the Bible, you're, you're reading someone's testimony that they ate with him after he was resurrected from the dead. Plus, if he wasn't resurrected from the dead, there's only a couple of scenarios. People persecuted the people that followed Jesus. The enemies of Christ all had to do is go to the tomb, find the body, and go, hey, he's not resurrected from the dead. Stop fabricating a lie. This is his body. 
They couldn't find the body because he was resurrected. He went to the right hand of the Father. If they could find the body, they would have squashed the lie if it was a lie. Because people could have said, the disciples stole the body. Well, okay, that's a, that's a good option or a good scenario. If the disciples stole the body, the same disciples fabricated a whole lie and now they're laying down their life. They're being persecuted. 11 of the 12 were crucified, boiled alive in oil, killed, beheaded. John was the only one that wasn't persecuted and all of them were ostracized. Why? For a lie that they fabricated, that they hid the body and now, and they're healing the sick and they're raising the dead and they're doing great miracles and Christianity was preached to the known world in those days. Could the, could the early disciples hid the body and pretend it was a resurrection? No. You have, have, you have a brain and have to think about, hang on a sec, would you give your life for something you fabricated? Wow. The only logical understanding is he did rise from the dead. They couldn't find the body. That's why they couldn't stop this. Wow. That's why the enemies could have just go find the body and look, just, just put this lie to rest. They couldn't find a body because there was no body to be found. He's been resurrected. Amen. So he's either liar, lunatic, or Lord. I would place him as Lord. And I, and I, and I stress, don't hear a message like this and go, it's a nice message. I was really, I was really encouraged by that. That was make sense it's not about making sense it's about giving jesus the right to your life that he is truly lord that means he owns you he he created you he made you and he took on your debt of sin he paid the penalty you can't stand before god without saying jesus let me finish it with this this is the this is the the question of all questions that will not be will not be asked in heaven but i'm going to give you a scenario imagine if god asked you this question Imagine that your life's over, now you go to heaven, and God the Father speaks. Leo, why should I let you into heaven? He sounds better than that. but <laughs> Now, my first reaction would be, I don't know about you, but if God's asked me that question, now what would you answer? Think about it for a second. God is speaking. Why? Why? I've got to go deeper. Why should I let you into heaven? Now, I know when, I, when God asked me that question many, many years ago, my first reaction was, think of the good that I've done. Wow. I'm a good person. I'm not that bad. I looked internal to me. I, I, thought, I thought of all the good that I've done. I'm thinking, what about this? And I realized as I was just even thinking, looking internally, look at me, what I have done that was good, I knew that was the wrong answer. Absolutely wrong answer because I was looking to myself. 100% wrong. If you look to yourself in any way, well, hopefully I made it. Hopefully I was good enough. Hopefully I was not a bad person. I'm not a murderer. I'm not a rapist. I'm not a killer. I hope I, hope I made it. If you look to yourself, it's already the wrong answer. You don't understand the gospel yet. This is the right answer. Father, there's absolutely no reason why you should let me into heaven. I haven't done anything to deserve heaven. But you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross, and I gave him my life. I followed Jesus the best way I knew how. It wasn't perfect, didn't live it perfect, but I made him Lord. The only reason why you should let me into heaven is for your mercy and your grace. It's your love. Because of your forgiveness. That's the right answer. Because of you, God. It's your righteousness. You're holy. You're righteous. You're just. But you're loving and you're merciful. And you provided the answer. And I accepted Jesus. And he goes, enter in to the joy of the Lord. That's the gospel. The gospel's free. But it cost him everything. It's free for you, but it cost him his life. But it's free. Let's pray. 
If we can just bow our heads for a moment, I just want to give you an opportunity to accept Jesus, not religion. If you can hear, I did not talk about religion. I talked about relationship with God. I'm not talking about religion, man-made religion. I'm talking about accepting Jesus into your heart, making Him Lord. Don't, st- don't go to heaven naked. Don't stand before God absolutely naked because you haven't got wedding clothes on. You can't come in. This is how you get clothed in His righteousness, by faith, by accepting Him right now. If you once knew Jesus and you walked with Jesus and you fell away from God, you go, Leah, I used to walk with Him, but I've lost that peace. If I was to die today, I'm not even sure that I'll make it to heaven. A lot of us struggled to get here today because of a traffic jam because someone was on the ground. I saw the person was covered in white cloth. He was hit by a car. He's dead. He's gone. He didn't know that was going to happen to him this morning. He's just gone. On Parramatta Road. We have to know that, hey, if I was to die, I'm ready right now to go to heaven because I accepted Jesus into my life. Don't live on your own. So I'm going to ask you in, 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 in literally... In a minute, right now, I want you to slip your hand up and say, pray for me to accept Jesus into my life. I'm I'm not going to ask you to come out the front, but I'm going to pray for you in your seats where you make peace with God. You accept His mercy. You accept His perfect righteous gift that He gave you for free because He loves you, because He's in love with you. There's many, many, many other reasons why we should dedicate our life to God. I've just touched on a few. So in 20 seconds, I'm going to ask you to just put your hand up, be bold. It takes courage to say yes to Jesus. But Jesus did say, if you deny me before man, I will deny you before my Father in heaven. But if you, you, you acknowledge me before man, I will acknowledge you, acknowledge you before my Father in heaven. So right now, you want to accept Jesus into your life as Lord and as Savior. Just slip your hand up right now. Right now, just slip your hand up. It's a beautiful thing. It's the best thing you could ever do. You make peace with God. You want to come back to Him. You know that your life's not where it should be. You say, Leo, include me in that prayer. Right now, just slip your hand up. We're going to pray for people to accept Jesus. Thank you. Anybody else? Just say, say yes to Jesus. And if, you, if you've made this peace with God, I rejoice with you. But I have to give you this opportunity. And only you and God know where your heart's at. Anybody else you want to say yes to him? Come back home. Have a relationship with Jesus. Amen. Anybody else? Just give you a few more, few more moments. Wonderful God. We're going to pray this prayer. If I can ask you to repeat this prayer, because it's a prayer that comes from your heart. And it's a prayer that you pray to God. So if all the Believers that are already here, the Christians that already made this decision, can you pray with this? Pray this prayer out loud. Father God, I thank you for sending Jesus to take my sin in my place, die that cruel death on the cross for the forgiveness of my sin. I open up my heart. I ask you, be my Lord. Be my Savior. Wash me clean. Forgive me of everything I've ever done. And I accept you into my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, God accepts you. The Bible says this. The angels rejoice when one person comes back to God. 
Angels, think about it, rejoice in the presence of God. That's how valuable you are. They are chucking a party. They're rejoicing. They're celebrating when one person turns because you're so valuable to God. Amen? Amen. Tell someone you made that choice. You said, I want to become a Christian. Maybe you've got questions you want answered. Then ask. Seek. You'll find. Amen? You've been listening to the GGC Life Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. For more, please visit our website, ggclife.com or email us, ggclife at ggclife.com. From our house to yours, be blessed.